welcome to Tea, Toast, and Trivia. Thank you for listening in. Living in the reality of COVID-19, travel has been curtailed internationally as well as domestically. Even though travel is coming back slowly, there are places that I will never visit in my lifetime. Over the past months, I have found that travel is possible through the alchemy of technology. Welcome to a new podcast series on tea, toast, and trivia, The Virtual Journey, which will explore new horizons through the eyes of a friend. As Marcel Prost reminds me, the real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. I am thrilled that Roberta Eaton Cheadle, also known as Robbie, has invited me to South Africa, which is approximately 16,000 kilometers as the crow flies from Vancouver. I have crossed an ocean and entered the Southern Hemisphere. I invite you to put the kettle on and join the conversation on tea, toast, and trivia. I am your host, Rebecca Budd, and I'm looking forward to sharing this adventure with you. Thank you, Robbie, for your warm welcome. I'm very delighted to be here with you again at Tea, Toast, and Trivia. And I'm even more excited to share a little bit about my home country, South Africa, and some of the marvelous natural places that we have here that are open for people to explore. I have been looking forward to this because I've never been to South Africa, and you have taken me on many of your posts to these wonderful places, and now I'm here with you. Where are we going? So today, Rebecca, we're going to visit the Kanga Caves, which are quite near a town called Otsuan, which is in the Western Cape of province of South Africa. The Kanga Caves are known to be one of the seven natural wonders of Southern Africa, and they are situated in a limestone ridge that runs parallel to the Swartberg Mountains. That range in the uh, Swartberg is Afrikaans. That would be Black Mountain in English. It's approximately 29 kilometers from this town called Oatstone, which is a central town to that area, which is called the Klein Karoo. In English would be the Little Karoo. The word Karoo actually comes from the San people who originally populated that area. The San people historically were called the Bushmen. What's quite interesting about the caves is that they go very deep underground. And originally, when they were discovered, people thought they extend about a kilometer. Recent exploration has found it is significantly longer, and they extend naturally for over five kilometers. And they are still doing ongoing exploration of that cave system and finding more and more caverns. There is an underground river there that they are following. The caves are in limestone, and what was quite interesting for me is that limestone is pre-Cambrian. That means that it is from the earliest part of Earth's history, which spans the period from the formation of the Earth approximately 4.6 billion years ago to the beginning of the Cambrian period about 541 million years ago. To me, that's quite mind-boggling that those caves are that ancient. 
when you actually visit those caves, you can still today see some rock paintings from the sand people that also did utilize those caves. So it's also quite interesting when we talk about the discovery and who discovered the caves, they had actually been known to people and the original inhabitants of that area for significantly longer than the time when Europeans came across it. There has been archaeological digs there, and they found the rock paintings, as I said, and they've also found other signs of their habitation there. It's not one of the huge archaeological sites in South Africa. There isn't an ongoing archaeological dig there now, but there has been in the past, and there has been quite a bit of interesting historical artifacts found there. But what I wanted to actually say to you that was quite interesting about that area the Klein Karoo is actually a desert-like area. It's quite unusual in that it has these desert-like qualities, but at the same time, there are places where there are streams and there are vineyards there. It's sort of quite an unusual biological area because it has this sort of different types of vegetation. The other interesting thing about the town of Otsuan, it was the ostrich capital of South Africa in the past. I have been to an ostrich farm in Otsuan. They are indigenous to Africa. They're enormous birds, taller than a human, very long necks and bulky bodies, long thin legs, flightless birds, and they are extremely powerful and very fast runners. You can go and see them at the ostrich farms. I actually had an experience. They asked me if I wanted to feed the ostriches and then they gave me the the pan of the seeds and turned me around and then the ostriches all come over your shoulders it's a little bit disconcerting they're very powerful birds and they were all feeding over my shoulders and then they said it was an ostrich massage that was quite fun and it's something that you can do when you visit Oatson In the past, there were tons of ostrich feathers that were shipped from South Africa to Europe before the First World War, when it became very popular to to have that type of decoration. Didn't they have the hats with the ostrich feathers? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, exactly. And they used to make uh, boas out of them um, and a lot of decoration on clothing. And then it was quite interesting because I looked to see why their popularity ended and it was with the invention of the car and the car becoming more popular because they were open. The feathers would blow off the hats and everything would collapse and fall apart. So ostrich feathers became less popular. Ostrich eggs, I don't know if you've ever seen one, but they are huge. They are most enormous. I actually have a a shell of one. The yolk and the egg inside it is equivalent to 30 normal eggs, hen's eggs. No, it's quite incredible. And that's why I thought I'd mention the ostriches because they are very interesting. And another interesting thing about Otswa is that one of the, what they call the fathers of Afrikaans, it was a gentleman called Cornelius Jacobus Langenhoven. And he was actually a resident of the town and he became a member of parliament. And that would have been in the time when Britain was still controlling South Africa. He was an activist for the recognition of Afrikaans as a national language. He was also a prolific writer. He wrote the national anthem, which was called Die Stem van Afrika, and that was our anthem prior to 1994. When 
the leadership changed in the country and they created a new national anthem. A part of that was incorporated. So we currently have a national anthem that comprises of five of the 11 indigenous languages in South Africa. The five languages that are in the new South African anthem are Koza, Zulu, Sasutu, Afrikaans, and English. It's quite an interesting creation. And then the other thing about the area that's quite interesting is that Oatsun falls between two mountain ranges, the Swartberg Range, as I mentioned, and then there's a range called Otaniqua Mountain. That is named after the Otaniqua Koikoi. That name, Otaniqua, means they who bear honey. When I was a girl, we lived in George, which is a town over the Otaniqua Mountain Range from Otsuan. And I went to Otaniqua Primary School. We were very proud of that name and its origin. So it, it's quite personal to me. <laughs> it means they who bear honey. So there must have been honey in that area. I imagine it's quite a different weather pattern in that part of the Western Cape to, for example, Johannesburg, which is very dry in the winter. Uh, that area gets all year round rain. It's very lush. Some people know of a place called Neisner, which is quite famous. And there is the Tutsukama Forest there. And there's been some quite famous books written about it. There's a, a famous South African writer, Dalene Matia. She wrote a book in Afrikaans called Krunga and Dibos, which means circles in the forest. That is all about Tutsukama Forest. And a lot of people come here from other parts of the world to actually do the hikes there because there's some very famous hikes around there. When we come to South Africa, where you live, where are you located? Rebecca, I'm located in Johannesburg. That is in Gauteng uh, province. It's quite close to Pretoria, which is one of the capital cities of South Africa. And, and you have read my book, A Ghost and His Gold, and Pretoria features in that book. My husband is the great-great-great-grandson of Andres Pretorius, whom that city was named for. So that's where I live, and we are about a two-hour flight from Cape Town. So I think it's about 1,200 kilometers from Johannesburg through to George. And then, then to get to Oatsun, you'd have to go over the Otaniqua Mountain Pass, which is a very beautiful mountain pass. But they do get a lot of cloud. And as I said, George is very rainy, but interestingly enough, as soon as you go over the mountain, you're actually in an arid semi-desert region because the Clan Karoo is a beginning small part of a greater arid area called the Kruid Karoo, which is the Great Karoo. That whole area has quite desert-like features. You get a lot of sheep and farming that happens there. So we've traveled a long ways to get to Kango Caves. Yeah, so that's pretty much the region around the around the Kango Caves. We haven't actually got to this yet. <laughs> that's the area. So what should we wear when we go into this cave? The Kango Caves are actually quite warm. They're warm and humid. Um, I've been to them twice, once in my early teens, and then I took my own children. They were probably about 10. Uh, Gregory was about 10 and Michael would have been about seven at the time that we went and did a tour of the Kango Caves. So it's quite warm. It, there are quite a lot of steps going into the cave and around the caves. The one is a 60-minute tour. I don't want to say it's challenging, but it does have stairs and there is walking. 
you go through the main cave, uh, sorry, the main cavern, you go sort of on a 60-minute journey around the cave and you see in a number of the formations. The other tour is an adventure tour, which I did that one when I was a teen. It is quite challenging. You have to squeeze through very narrow, tight openings. And so it wouldn't be for someone who's claustrophobic. And you do some climbing up formations. It's popular. A lot of the school kids do it. My mom actually managed to do it when I was a teenager. And she would have been 50s then. My mother's tiny. She's a teeny little thing. I don't know if I do it now because that part of the tour is more physical challenge. You don't do that part to see the formations. Tango Caves is really all about those um, limestone formations, the stalagmites and stalactites you see. Those are among the best and most spectacular in the world. So that's what people go there for. But I wanted to tell you, because we were talking about whether or not it was an archaeological site, and it was quite interesting because when I was looking up on whether or not they, they actually do excavate their stall, and I discovered a new cave that I actually didn't know about, which isn't in part of that system, but it's in a place called Silbai. And it's called uh, Blombos Cave, Blossom Bosses Tree Cave. What was quite interesting about it is that it's apparently a very well-known archaeological site. What they have found there was the first evidence of symbolism, cognitive thinking, and technological advancement that occurred during the Middle Stone Age. That's 100,000 to 70,000 years ago. And people come from all over the world to excavate at this particular site. What I did also find was that some of the significant findings there's a piece of engraved okra, which is the first known okra engraving found in the archaeological record, and they dated it 75,000 years ago. They also found the oldest artist toolkit, which apparently is 100,000 years old, and is an okra processing workshop. And they found one of the oldest drawings known to mankind 73,000 years ago. You can't go there. It's a working site. The other major archaeological excavational site is Stafentine Caves. My family were there recently in September. That is owned by the University of Advartishant. That's where they had made the world-famous discoveries of Mrs. Place, who's actually now Mr. Place, by the way, and Littlefoot. And those date, <laughs> those date back more than 3 million years. It was quite funny because... The guy that we had was very adamant to tell us that they have now found that Mrs. Place, who they thought was a female, is was actually an adolescent male. But they wouldn't change the name, but it's a bit of a joke that he's it's actually should be Mr. Place and not Mrs. Place. When you go to these places, Robbie, you always feel that you're part of something that has been ongoing forever. And we're just a little part of what this world has seen. It must have been quite exciting for you and your children to be there. Always actually loved caves. They have a cave where groups of children can actually go and excavate for fossils. Gregory actually had a birthday party there. And I took a bunch of us, there were about 20 boys. And we went and they had a wonderful time. They, they mined for fossils. They take you to trenches and, and they're real fossils. They're very nice. You can, and they let you keep some of them depending on what you find. But certainly, 
boys in caves and digging and fossils is quite a good mix. <laughs> and then they get a very nice lunch as well. So <laughs> it was it was everything. <laughs> Robbie, I understand that you wrote a book about Kanga Caves and some interesting things that happened there. What is the name of the book and would you read a portion of it? So the name of the book is Silly Billy Goes to Nisna, and it includes quite a bit of detail about a visit to the Kanga Caves and some other exciting things that are available to do in that area. This is something I wrote quite a long time ago. This was actually written when I took my boys. It's almost like a tour through the caves. Gather round, the guide called, and everyone moved closer to where he stood at the top of a staircase. The Kanga Caves is a limestone cave system, the guide said. Limestone is a kind of rock that is made from tiny bits of animal shells. Over millions of years, the shells collect on the bottom of the ocean and mix with mud. Eventually, the mud and shells at the bottom of the pile go hard and become limestone. Limestone caves are made when water from rain seeps through cracks in the limestone and dissolves it making holes in the limestone that eventually become caves. The Kango Caves were formed over 20 million years ago. 20 million years ago, I thought, that's amazing. I can't imagine how many noughts there are in 20 million. A mineral called calcite is left behind when limestone caves are formed, the guides continued. I was impressed by his knowledge. Inside the caves, you will see lots and lots of stalactites and stalagmites. These form when groundwater flows through the caves after they have formed and dissolves the calcite that was left behind. The calcite dissolves into the water in the same manner as sugar into a cup of tea. As the groundwater drips through the cracks in the cave floor, it leaves the calcite behind. The deposits of calcite slowly build up and form into stalactites. Stalactites are white columns of rock which hang down from the ceiling like icicles. Stalagmites are white columns of rock that grow up from the floor like cones. The guide stopped and looked at the people gathered around. Are there any questions? No one answered. Okay, follow me then. Be careful. We are going down some stairs and they are steep. At the bottom of the stairs, we find, found ourselves in a cavern. It was enormous. Billy, who'd been complaining that his legs were tired, stopped in astonishment and stared and stared. This cavern is called Van Zale's Hall, the guide informed us. It is over 90 meters long, 50 meters wide in some places, and between 14 and 18 meters high. Dad is 1.62 meters tall, and he is taller than most of my friends' dads. This cave is really high, Mom, I whispered. I saw Mom's head bobbing up and down in agreement. The temperature in the caves remains a constant 18 degrees Celsius, the guide said. That is why you can comfortably wear shorts and t-shirts for tours of the cave at any time of the year. It smells, Mommy, Billy wailed. I don't like it. The guide smiled. It does smell, little man, he said to Billy. There are bats living here in the caves and you can smell their droppings. Bats, I was worried. 
I don't like bats. I don't want to walk into any. Dad, I squeaked, my voice straining to escape my dry throat. There are bats in the cave. Don't worry, Craig. Bats are nocturnal. That means they sleep in the day and are awake at night. You won't see any flying around at this time of day. This cavern, said the guide, is named after a local farmer called Jacobus van Zell. Some people believe that he discovered the caves in the 1770s, but there are no records of someone with that name living in the Oatswan area at the time. We do know the various chambers were inhabited by the sand people at some point as various sand rock paintings have been found. Who are the sand people, Dad, I asked. The sand people are the earliest hunter-gatherer people who lived in southern Africa. They used to live mainly in the western Kalahari district of Botswana and survived in the desert by traveling from one place to another gathering wild vegetables, fruits, nuts, insects and berries. Robbie, I have enjoyed being in South Africa. You have brought it to me in a way through story, through a travelogue, through being with you and seeing your beautiful country. And I am so pleased that you joined me on Tea, Toast and Trivia. And of course, I am going to ask you back because there's other wonderful conversations that I want to have and traveling to South Africa only takes 10 seconds these days and it's a marvelous feeling to be with you so thank you for being with me today any last words i just want to say thank you very much rebecca i really appreciate this opportunity to showcase south africa and to let people know about some of the wonderful things that they are here and we also have the most wonderful people they're very warm and lovely it is really a great opportunity to showcase this wonderful country. So thank you very much for that. Thank you for joining Robbie and me on the very first podcast in the series, The Virtual Journey. We have lived the experience of Kanga Caves today, thanks to our gracious travel host, Robbie Cheadle. A very special thank you, Robbie, for sharing your amazing country. Listeners, I invite you to meet up with Robbie on her blog, Roberta Writes, her Amazon page, Goodreads, Instagram, and especially YouTube, where she recites her amazing and profound poetry. Robbie has created a space where history comes alive with every page turned. Until next time we meet, dear friends, stay safe and be well.